Welcome to the BJJ Camps podcast. Uh, another good one for you today. I am interviewing MMA pioneer, especially in the UK, Lee Remedios. Uh, Lee is a regular at all the camps that we do. The most recent one he's done, uh, we recorded this a little bit before, but he's done uh, the camp that we've just done with Gordo. Um, I've known Lee for a fair few years now. We've trained together quite a few times and we get on really well. It's uh, it's a lot of fun, so have a listen. We'll chitter a little bit about MMA and things like that, but more jiu-jitsu technique. It's, uh, it should be entertaining enough for you anyway, um, and hopefully we'll have some more episodes out for you soon. The next camp is with the Raspberry Ape, Dan Strauss, so we're doing no-gi and a full weekend on front headlocks and guillotines, which should be awesome. As always, all you've got to do is go to www.lakedistrictbjjcamps.com to register your spot. Um, don't miss out because it's already selling pretty quick. From here, we'll leave you to the uh, interview with Lee. Enjoy. Hello, Mr. Lee Remedios. Hi. It's really weird introducing you with your full name when I just normally call you Lee. <laughs> and and that's the nicest thing you call me. Yeah. Yeah, to be fair, there's been a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Are you well? Yeah, yeah. Just, just finished work. Um, I finish early on a Friday. So, yeah, I'm happy to do this. Happy to have a chat and then uh, head out in the sun. Yeah, you got decent weather, have you? We've we've got it overcast at the minute, but it's still quite nice and warm. Okay, yeah, um, it was it was a a, a little cloudy this morning, but yeah, it, it's it's all right now. It's cleared up. Are you uh, are you training much at the minute, or are you just teaching? Um, I am training. Um, I'm, I always train, but I'm not really pushing myself too much. I haven't got any competitions coming up or anything, so I'm not in comp mode. Just working technique and a bit of rolling. Bit of play with everything. When's Euro IBJJF Euro Masters? That was released not long ago. Yeah, um, I did that. Was that just gone? No. So the the Europeans was in February, I think, wasn't it? And then the Masters was in May. <laughs> yes, that was it. Sorry. Yeah, my mind's completely gone. I I literally still think I need to re-register with the IBJJF. I still haven't done that. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it's worth it's, it's it's worth having it done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just forgot to be honest. Since last time I competed, I just thought, uh, uh, yeah, I do need to redo it. If nothing else, to sign off on my guys that want to do those competitions. Yeah, um, I think I think mine just expired, so I've got to do it again as well. Yeah, I'll uh, I might actually make a note of that and <laughs> and go and do it. But uh, <laughs> you're you're coming up for Gordo's one, aren't you? Gordo's camp, yes, sixteenth and seventeenth. Yep. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I won't be uh, missing that. Have you trained with him before? No, no. See, I haven't either. He was because he was meant to come up before COVID, and we had a load of stuff planned, and then, well, that just got shot down, didn't it? Yeah. So, um, I thought he was going to be coming up. Yeah, before COVID, he's, he's going to be coming over, and, and I would be coming to that. And then Ben was saying that he may be bringing him over to Tenerife. Yeah, uh, and then and then obviously COVID happened and everything got shut down and nothing could happen. So that was that. Yeah, I think the original plan was um, week in Tenerife, week here, uh, doing a camp with us, and then a week back in Tenerife. But uh, he's, I don't think he's doing Tenerife this time actually. Oh okay. So yeah, yeah I got... mean, so um, I joined the Gorda Europe affiliation in at the end of two thousand nineteen. So it was um, just before COVID hit. So um, I joined you guys and then Gordo was coming over and it was all, it was all really cool. And then nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, well, we say nothing. It was, you know, definitely not behind closed doors training anyway. Def <laughs> def definitely not. But no, I think well, uh, I I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I've I spoke to him last week. It'll be... Well, by the time this is released, it'll be released. But uh, unfortunately, my uh, little recorder machine cocked up and probably missed the first 15 minutes, which was when he was chatting about his past and how he started. So 
the stuff that I'd find really oh. interesting. So I was I was gutted. Yeah, I was gutted. All that, the cool stuff. Yeah, essentially, and then yeah, I think it it cocked up, and then yeah, God knows why. But now it then started recording when he was talking about developing his half guard. So we got, we got a little bit of a chat of that. Okay, but I th- I'm I'm really looking forward to yeah to training with him and seeing. Because when somebody's developed something specifically around themselves, it's always different. Yes. And how they I mean, do. Like, when they when, when they hyper specialize. Yeah. Uh, it's always cool to get to get their, their tips. Like at the camps that we that we did with Steve Gawthorpe, you know, and, and the armbar stuff. Yeah. You know, when um w- when it's so highly specialized, it, it's really really cool details to take away. Yeah, I think um, I say we just when I spoke to Chris on the last episode, we talked about um how there's certain people that you just have to feel certain things from. So Mauricio's neon belly being one of them. Yeah. It's it's just one of those things where you you know it's going to hurt, you know it's going to be really painful, but you still want to experience it just so that you know that that everybody (laughs) else that's felt it isn't lying to you. Yeah. like You've got a unanimous vote that it's horrendous, but there's still a weird part of you that goes, I really need to feel that. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was funny, and um, as I said to Chris that Steve's little, I don't even know what he called, like a, a tendon crush from Mount on the arm, I, th- I think that's pretty similar. Did he, did, yeah. you get, did he do it to you when you were there? He did everything to me. I'm not sure exactly which one you're referring to, because he had me bent seven ways from Sunday. Yeah, it was... It was He's just all edges, isn't he? But he's very, very good to learn from, especially the arm lock stuff, obviously. Yeah, it, it was really, really incredible. Um, totally game-changing. Mm. You know, um, stuff that I will... I, I mean, I, I, I say this every time I come to the camps, and it's true. Every time I come up and I train with Ben, um, or, or, or this time I come up and train with Steve a couple of times, um, everything that I take away, uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't just... I don't just like it, but I change the way that I do those techniques now yeah. based on the camps. It's really, really good. Yeah, I mean, before I first trained with Steve, I I, I thought I knew how to arm lock. I'd had, you know, blue and purple belt success at competitions with arm locks. And so I kind of went out going, yeah, I'm all right. I know how to arm lock. I, I, can, I can do these fairly well. And it was just completely rewritten. I was like, oh, maybe I didn't know how to arm lock at all and just got lucky a few times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so we came up for an arm lock camp with Ben, um, which was eye-opening. We did that Eki hold and yeah. a few other bits, which was really, really game-changing. Um, I, I now do arm bars differently a bit based on that. And then training with Steve um, again. And some of it was carryover, but it was good to recap it. Um, but now my arm bars are different. Mm. Um you did sell me the camp. I remember you, you, you posted up somewhere saying that um, you're quite critical of um, arm locks in the UK, even at black belt level. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, okay. I, having rolled with you and being arm locked by you, I thought um, I'm I'm quite interested to to see this stuff then. Yeah, well, it's it's one of them. It, essentially, it, and, I, and I say it not just in the UK, but everywhere. I think as jiu-jitsu sort of practitioners as on a whole – our arm locks aren't remotely as good as they could be based on, like you said, the guys like Steve and Neil Adams and Neil Eckersley and those guys that were doing arm locks for years and years and years. So I was really lucky that I learned from Steve when I did, um, when I was at Purple Belt. And then when it, after learning that and then recapping it with Ben a few times, I'm looking at how everybody else is arm locking going, there's so many mechanics missed. And I think... Yes. I, I don't know. I think, it, I think it obviously gets lost in translation somewhere. And I think, especially now, um, there's a lot of... A lot of jiu-jitsu guys that don't think they can learn anything from judo groundwork. Because as it stands in the Olympics under the rule set now, judo groundwork isn't very well it's barely existent anymore yes in comparison to what it was like back in the 80s when these guys were phenomenal arm lockers 
Yeah, um, and I've done a fair bit of judo, not tons and tons, but you know, I've done some. You know, um, I've graded in it and I've competed in it and done all right. Um, and although nowadays the groundwork is very, very restricted, I still think that the style of groundwork is very different as well. Mm. And I think that that style of groundwork does have merit. And what I mean by that is um, it's very dynamic. It's not as slow and methodical as jujitsu because when you do a competition, if you're, if you're, if you're on the ground and you're, and you're passive for five seconds, they'll stand you up. You, you haven't got like, like a minute to have someone's back and dig in a choke and work yeah. in, you know, the Mataleo and or, or, or get hold of collars and take your time to set up a bow and arrow. You haven't got that. You've got to just attack it, attack it, attack it, which by definition, I suppose, means that you're going to be a little less methodical but you have to be dynamic. You have yeah. to be brutal. And you, have, you have to be effective. I think uh, in and there's something to that. Yeah, I think in judo nowadays, from from my perspective as somebody that works on the floor, I think your best bet of actually attacking a submission is to get to a pinning position and utilize the pin whilst they're trying to escape from that to get the submission. Right. Because that yeah. buys you more time, doesn't it? Because what is it? Twenty seconds to a pin now? I don't know. Yes. So the only way you're going to get 20 solid seconds on the floor is if you're pinning them. Well, you could hold that and win via your pin. But as a jiu-jitsu guy, that's very rarely your aim. You usually want a, a submission of some kind anyway. So I think your, yeah. your best bet is get to a pin, wait for your ref to shout mate, and then go and attack your submission from there whilst maintaining the position. Yeah, so when I do judo comps, um, it's been a while since I've done any. Um, two, I did my lineup in 2019, I think. And that, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, I, when I went to the ground, I'll try and pin them. If I could expose an arm, like if I went to mount and and, and, and their arm came up, I, I did take an arm bar. You know, if they, I, I didn't, I try not to, not to let them turtle because in, in jiu-jitsu, of course, Taking the back's fantastic. And in MMA as well, taking the back's amazing. But in judo, to get, um, having their back isn't really that beneficial because you've got five seconds to make something happen. Mm. And then you get stood up and, and you aren't pinning them. So I, when, when I took them down, I try and keep them on their back, as you do in judo, because that's judo for you. And, that, and that, that, that's different. Um, but if, if I did keep them on their back, exactly as you say, once I'm pinning them, it did expose submissions. Yeah, and it's because they're desperately trying to get up. Yeah, and and that's yeah, exactly. I say. And the only difference in it is the difference in rule sets. And I think I personally think it's a real shame the judo rule sets gone the way it has. But on the flip side, I also see why they want to make it look better and they want to make it look more sure worthy. Yeah, I I really like watching that um, Kosen judo. That's really cool to see. Tell me what that is. Okay, so over in Japan, it's like they have, um, and it's only a small number of universities, but they've got their own um, kind of rule set of judo, and they do competitions. But you can pull guard, and uh, you can win by pin. Um, I can't remember if you can win by Ippon. I haven't watched it for a little while. Um, but I think you can win by Ippon with a throw. Uh, but... Generally, if it goes to the ground, the groundwork continues. Mm. So the groundwork's really good. Like you see them X passing each other, you see them setting up De La Hiva and, and all sorts of cool stuff that they that they developed completely independently from jujitsu. Uh, but they, but they have great takedowns and really good groundwork. And and if you see judo Kosen judo players compete against Brazilian jiu-jitsu players, they often win under a jiu-jitsu rule set which is really quite impressive considering that they've got a very small talent pool. Mm. Um, it's really cool to watch. I mean, it'd probably be, for me, as someone that likes to play takedowns in top position, um, it would be the ideal rule set. I think I, I absolutely agree with you that I think judo, it's a shame judo's moved away from the groundwork. But I also think that jiu-jitsu's kind of gone too far that way. I mean, I understand it, but I think there should be some sort of penalty for pulling guard. Because... yeah. It's not realistic at all, is it? No, and I mean, I agree with you on that based on somebody whose takedowns are pretty horrific and 
I don't like engaging in takedowns because my neck can't always handle that. So, but even with that stands as the way it is, I still think there should be a penalty for pulling out. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that, that that you give away two points for a takedown necessarily or something like that, but just something that stops people pulling guard, holding it, and then winning a decision. It's like, come on, you haven't done anything. Not yeah. really. You know, um, if you take someone down and you start and you start attacking and you you know maybe you try a sweep and you get close or you try something and you get an advantage for it, cool. You sh- you deserve to win. Uh, absolutely. You know, but just sitting on your bum isn't a way to fight, in my opinion. Now. Yeah. I, I, of course, I'm biased. I come from an MMA background, but I did the IBJF rule set, um, the, the rule course, and they said that their first priority is um, competitor safety, and their second priority is making it realistic for self-defense situations. And pulling guard is in no way realistic. No, I think the now, as far as I was ever aware, the the point system is based on um, how realistic it would be in a, in a real fight so how dominant you would be in a in a fight situation so yes. a takedown would gain you two points because you're now on top of the person yeah um but it has to the way it was explained to me now i haven't done the same course as you so you might be able to correct me on this but um everything that you gain points for has to be a positive movement towards an aggressive finish so passing guard gains your points Neon belly gains your points because you can deal more damage from it. Um, mount, obviously, yep. taking the back because you can deal more damage whilst receiving minimal damage. Now, yeah, where I used to get confused as a blue belt and where I often correct people nowadays is the sweep versus reversal. So a reversal not scoring any points, but a sweep scoring mm-hmm. points. Now, a sweep is essentially inside the guard. Yes. It is a turnover from inside the guard. A reversal is when the person is past your guard. Um, yeah. And the way the way I like to explain it to people so that they understand is the reversal itself isn't... Is your reward. Yeah, is your reward, but it's not done from an aggressive standpoint. You're doing it from a defensive standpoint. To escape, yes. Yeah. And and that's that's my sort of that's my take on it is you're doing this from a defensive standpoint to escape your position so it is not yet an aggressive move and that's why it that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah I like that um my my thoughts on it although I I, I, my, I, I do like that um, and I, and I'm probably gonna um, take that on board as well but my thoughts were if you're scoring someone for escaping a position. And then you're rewarding someone else for getting the position. Depending on how you score the points, you could just have someone someone dominating the match, but the points could be relatively even, right? So you, you get a good position, they escape it, and they get points for escaping. Mm. And then you get a good position, but they haven't done anything. All they've done is escape, and they've got the same a similar. I mean, obviously, it depends on the scoring how you score those points. Yeah. But like, if you're in some competition and you had two points for mount, for example, uh, and two points for escaping then someone can get mount five times they're obviously they obviously they should win that match but the points would be even they both had 10 points yeah i said to um i said to one of my guys the other day that uh stood watching another fight at the british open i think and i'd said the the point scoring um because you always hear somebody you know people put on facebook oh i won my second fight 25 points to zero and in, initially you look at that and you go Bloody hell, he's dominated that. But I look back, and one of my one of my favourite fights I ever had was at Euros in 2017, and I lost. I lost this fight, and I lost it something like 27 points to three. So decisive loss based on that scorecard. Yep. However, I was I stepped away and I went, oh yeah, that scorecard looks a bit crap. But every time he passed my guard. I got it back. Every time yeah. he's done something aggressive, I've recovered. So, tw- I'd say 27 points. So, I couldn't tell you the exact total of how all those points panned out, but the majority of them were me having to retain my guard off my back. Yeah. And it, it was a very one-sided fight, but I look at it and, and go, that higher score doesn't actually make that fight look 
as even as it was because I was throwing up plenty. Yeah. I got my guard passed at least four times in that from trying to throw up crappy triangle attempts. So I was working really, really hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just wasn't efficient with it. Um, and then I've had other fights where I've won on a three-point guard pass when I've been on top and I've dominated the fight, but nothing's happened. Yeah. And you would go, oh, that one was a closer fight. I was like, well, no, I dominated everything. I got past and then I stayed there and I attacked my little... I didn't submit him, but it looked... that I would class that as a more dominant fight than the higher point scored. Yeah, like if you pass someone's guard and they can't recover and you're then pulling lapels out and wrapping it around them and they might defend that, but they're having them spending their whole, their whole match defending submission attempts from side control, for yeah. example. Right, that's a very dominant win, but you win by three points. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, so absolutely, I understand what you're saying. Um, and it is what it is. Um, but I do understand why the IBJJF have put some rules in place. And maybe I'm being a little bit tin foil hatty but things like they don't allow real leg locks until brown belt just because you'd have people coming in and tapping out brown and black belts with leg locks yeah. i think um who don't who don't have any good jiu-jitsu apart from leg locks yeah but, i think i don't have an issue with that i think is it only adult brown and black belts yeah only adult brown and black black belts no gi they can do heel hooks but even before that, you could only do toe holds and knee bars and like calf crushes yeah. from brown belt and up, right? So, um, I, and I, I think that's quite a good idea from a organizational point of view because it it means that you haven't got a load of guys coming in gronking takedowns and slamming on heel hooks or slamming on leg locks. Yeah, uh, you know they, they've they've got to pass the guard. Yeah, and to and to uh partner with that i think allowing people to pull guard without penalty has really allowed the sport to grow massively yeah um, whilst I don't, I don't like that i don't like personally i don't like that 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 um that, that rule set i don't like that scoring criteria but it has allowed a lot of weekend warrior recreational players who don't want to wrestle who don't want to get into real tough scraps and mm. have their, their legs pulled apart and learn that the intricacies of a leg lock game they just want to lay on their back playing in pajamas. Well, they can go out and have a go, right? Yeah. And it's allowed allowed lots and lots of recreational people who wouldn't generally be athletes to compete in a sport and practice a sport and really allow the sport to grow massive. I think the uh, the biggest sort of sell on that on, on what you've said is if you worked out the average age of a judoka, it's probably going to be somewhere in the twenties early 20s, I would say. If you worked out the average age of somebody that does jiu-jitsu, I'd probably put it 30, 35 maybe. Yeah, maybe older. I I think, because I think your retention, because you can choose to essentially still go 100% and let off at that last minute and not risk injuries as much as being bounced off your head in judo, I think it's allowed it to be more accessible for everybody. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm not a massive fan of training judo. Like I like judo um, and I like to compete in it. But when I go training and I've just got like 18 year olds, just trying to smash my knees to pieces and dump me on my head. Yeah. That's not fun. That's just horrible. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I'm not, I'm, I'm horrendous at being thrown. So if I, if I train, any judo yeah, at all? I imagine. Uh, well, I was going to say, I, I imagine breakfalling is not really your thing, is it? No, Ooh. no, no. But I tend to find <laughs> if uh, if I roll with if I if I train stand up with a good level judo player, and I get thrown, I'm not too bad. So when Owen came up and I did, I didn't do much sparring because I had really bad tendonitis at the time, but I did a little bit. And when his high level judo lads were the ones throwing me, I was fine. Because I just sort of relaxed and went with it. When it was the other guys, the jiu-jitsu guys that are coming to learn that, everything's a little bit more twitchy and explosive and I don't quite know where I'm going to fall. They don't know where I'm going to fall and I feel the risk of injury just shoots up at that point. Um, yeah. I only like doing stand-up with people who are very competent on the feet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, or I, I'm all right at judo. I'm not amazing. You know, I've managed to drag a black belt from somewhere. Um, so, but I'm all right. So if someone's not competent at judo, I just bury them all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. Is I'm not. I'm not competent myself, so I would rather go with somebody who is competent and just learn to feel the movement and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully catch something. But most of the time, I get thrown on my head. Not on my head. Most of the time, I get thrown well, but it, I don't risk the injury as much as when I'm going with yeah, the yeah, guys. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. I'm with you. So, and, and that's, if I was to pick stand-up-wise, if I was going to do judo or wrestling, I would do judo. I think wrestling's much more brutal in the sense of on your own body when you are attacking. Yeah, so I've done a bit of both. Um, and I think wrestling is more applicable to... It, it has more crossover to other sports, I think. Yeah. Even jiu-jitsu, if I'm honest. Yeah, Because yeah, you're yeah. allowed to have legs. Um, I, I think the gripping aspect of judo is really, really beneficial, though, mm. uh, which is... Really, why why I took it back up again? Why I started going back to judo was because I I, I want I saw the benefit of the gripping. It's it, it they're, they're so dominant at gripping mm. and it's used jiu-jitsu. Um, so that said, I do think that judo is really dangerous for knees. Being thrown is horrible anyway, and being winded sucks. Right on those hard tatamis, it's not like they you know <laughs> those mats are hard and people bury you because they want to make sure that they get a nippon rather than a wasari or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's when your legs get blocked and trapped and then they throwing you with your legs in a trap position and you get, twist them sideways and stuff. It's not happened to me. I've not had injuries from it, but I've seen loads. Yeah. Um, and you don't tend to see that as much in wrestling, although I have seen horrific injuries in wrestling as well. Uh, but when you're grabbing legs and dragging people to the floor, it's not as from my perspective, at least, from what I see, it's not as brutal as being thrown with your knees in the wrong direction. Yeah, the the worst, for me personally, the worst throw I ever had was a, an also to Gary Dunn where I was massively off balance, but my weight was on the leg that they were trying to sweep. So essentially, yeah. I fell backwards, my heel touched my ass with the guy I was scrapping with leg in between. So it was like a horrendous calf crush. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and I, that's really common as well. That's that that sort of that sort of like clumsy takedown is really really common. Or, or you know you've got like the the valley drop, you know the Tanya Toshi behind, but the, but the guy's resisting or the girls. Actually, it's much it's much worse for women. Um, the injury rate's higher for, uh, for females. Um, like, and and the I I noticed that just from training. I thought all the all the girls at a decent level at, at, at this club are in, are in knee braces. Or they take time off on crutches, and I noticed that the the guys got it too, but not as bad. And so I, I started doing a bit of reading and talking to people about it, and it turns out that because of on average, women's knees are a different angle, like in line with their hips yeah. to men, then it makes them more prone to knee injury. Um, and something I definitely noticed, but so, so, you know, like you see, like the, the valley drop as I was saying, and someone's trying to resist it, and they turn a little bit. And so rather than taking them backwards, you're taking them kind of back sideways or at a 45 degree angle yeah. where their leg is not meant to bend at all, you know, and then injuries happen and it's, and it's so common. Yeah. So going back, when I said I'd pick judo over wrestling, um, what, what I failed to mention is when, when I do any judo or sort of judo based stand up, it's based on judo when leg grabs were allowed. So there's a guy that trains with those right. who is... A very very good is uh, sort of national international level judoka started training jiu-jitsu with us now. He's just got his blue belt, um, but when he trains judo and stand up with us, all the leg grabs and everything come back in. Right. So and so he's been doing it so, since he was ta since he was really small. So he's he's got twenty five years experience. So he's still got plenty of experience with leg grabs. Um, and back when he was most competitive in his teens, uh, in his late teens, his go-to takedowns were leg grabs. Okay. So yeah. So when I when I competed judo years ago, I, I used to train in Huddersfield um, at, at, at the judo club up there, and I did a couple of competitions, and I used leg grabs. You were allowed to then, and it was brilliant for me 
yeah. coming from an MMA background and I was used to, used to double-legging people. I went out and I was a white belt and I would double-leg black belts and it was great for competition. Uh, then they took leg grabs out um, and when I went back to judo, I wasn't allowed to leg grab and I acknowledged that and my skill set was just massively hindered. Yeah. But it, it did allow me, it forced me to work on my throwing, which was really what I wanted to do anyway. You know, and if I was allowed to grab legs, that may have taken longer. But because I could only throw, you know, grip and throw, then I got better at it. I suppose like, like jujitsu, taking out leg locks, it forces people to learn to pass the guard. Yeah, I was just about to sort of associate them together. So the IBJJF rules of not allowing knee bars, toe holds, calf crushes up until brown belt. I, I, I don't, I don't disagree with it because I think it forces you to work on the fundamental sort of jujitsu that you really should learn in my opinion so yeah. it forces you to hit the deck sweep pass the guard get on top or you know work for the back yeah absolutely because realistically leg locks in a real fight quite difficult to get off you don't see a, a massive amount of them in competition i mean you see of course you see ryan hall doing it you know and you see paul harris doing it but they're kind of out outliers. You, yeah, and they tend to get their faces punched in, in in MMA if they try leg locking too much. Yeah, I think if you look at um, Gary Tonnen's most recent fight, that's kind of tells you everything you need to know. He essentially yeah, that's that's quite an interesting one. I mean, I mean, I mean, both you and I are competent at leg locks at least to to have a discussion about it. I thought that in that match that. Gary was lazy and he had poor technique in that leg lock. And of course, I'm not trying to say that Gary Tone doesn't have a leg lock. <laughs> I mean, I know he does. He's he's one of the best in the world at leg locking. But in that match, I think he, he took it too lightly. He just, he tried an outside heel hook with an inside, you know, like effectively a single leg X. And I mean, that was never going to work. Especially, And the guy's still standing up and he's allowed to punch him in the face. Yeah. You know, I mean... I, I, I almost, <laughs> almost like he got complacent with it. Yeah, well, like I mean, I if you watch Danaher's DVD, if you can, if you can keep yourself awake long enough, bring a load of coffee. Um, if you can watch Danaher's DVD on leg locking, he comes out with these principles, and one of them is you have to get. Like, he says you have to break the man down to a hip, meaning you have to get his bum on the floor before you can leg lock him. Yeah, which makes perfect sense. So, Tona knows this. Like and and he knows that you if you're going to do an outside heel hook, which is crap, because that's again in 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 Danaher's DVDs, you you want an inside heel hook ideally. If you're going to do an outside one though, you need to lock your legs to the outside. This is all stuff that Danaher just has as his, as his basic introduction to leg locks. And I think that Gary just got lazy, as you say, got complacent. Um, thought thought his jujitsu was going to work on a guy that. That he, he thought he could. I don't know. I don't know what's going through his mind. I don't know. I'm not. I guess I shouldn't try and assume anything. But that's what it looked like. It looked like he just thought he got an easy, an easy submission, although a crap one. And ra rather than set up a take the time to set it up properly, he just went for a crap submission and got punched out. Yeah, I mean, we've we've all had our shit performances. I mean, God, yes, God absolutely. knows, God knows how many I've had. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's definitely something worth questioning. At I'd love to get his sort of honest opinion. I think he actually did post on Twitter that he essentially just fucked up. I'd have to go and find yeah, it to I... confirm, but it, it it was a paragraph statement that was along the lines of, yeah, I fucked that one up, really. Yeah, which is, you know, um, cool that you accept responsibility for it. Of course, you know, um, be, be gracious. But I don't think that tells the full story because... He didn't just fuck up the technique. I mean, he, there was a number of things he did wrong. To, yeah. You know, I mean, and it looked like it was, it was a mindset issue rather than a technical issue. He shouldn't have been going, in my opinion, I mean, who am I to tell Gary Tonin what to do, right? But leg locks in MMA, you, you better fucking get them right. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I don't think, I don't think I'd be, not that I'd be doing MMA, but, you know, I don't think I'd be shooting straight for leg locks. I think I'd just want to get on top and sit there and, Make people but you, you, you have fought MMA, haven't you? 
Yeah, I did. I did, um, I did very before I even knew what I was doing. My, my striking was horrendous. I got yeah. I think in the sort of five six fights I did, I threw one punch in total, and <laughs> in that one punch, I broke my hand, and that was my last fight. So I think I sort of broke my hand and went, yeah, not for me. And yeah, I, fair I need, enough. Need to be able to wipe my ass, so I'm I'm good. That'll do. Uh, that's that, that's my. Yeah, I've said to said to my wife. I'd, I'm not saying I never ever will fight MMA again. I'm just saying I have no plans to. Yeah, but I am. And I, I very much have that fuck it, why not sort of mentality. If I was there and somebody asked me, I'd probably just give it a go for the shits and giggles <laughs> of it. But the older you older you get, the less probable that becomes, right? I mean, it's yeah. It's I mean. If if I was to try and put a percentage chance to me fighting in a cage again, it would be less than five. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's way down there on my list of things to do. You know, Will has plans to go into MMA. Um, I sort of said to him first that I would like him to focus on his jiu-jitsu because he's very, very good at it. I'd like him to focus on that and see what he can do through jiu-jitsu before he thinks of doing MMA. A little bit like... Gary Tonnen's done. Got really, really good at jiu-jitsu and then essentially gone, yeah, fuck it, I'll have a go at MMA. Yeah. I think there's still... If there's still plenty of pathway for him to take in jiu-jitsu, it's a, longevity-wise, it's a safer option than getting perpetually punched in the head. Yeah, absolutely. And the last competition he... No, I, I don't know if he's done one since, but the one that I saw him in... Um, in that in that brown belt tournament with that in Swansea yeah yeah I mean that 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 was a, like a murderer's row of brown belts and he did really really well yeah see there was there was brown there was black belts in there um he I I was really really pleased with him after that I couldn't you know I very rarely say I'm proud of anything but yeah I was proud of him after that he um I think he lost to Tom Barry on points but it, yeah, it was, which is no, you know, that's no shame in that. I mean, Will's Will's what eighteen years old? Uh, nineteen. Okay. Yeah, yeah 19, I mean, 19 years old, and he's literally every, brand new brown belt. Yeah, and every every week that goes by, he just gets better and better and better, and it, it's it, it's a double edged sword for me because now he's a really fucking hard work to train with. But also, <laughs> I can kind of stand at the side like Dr. Frankenstein and say, I created that monster. So it is a double-edged yeah. <laughs> like, I created well, him, I mean, but, like, but I'm like, not like, going to play with him anymore. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, in that comp, he also nicked a win over Tom O'Hagan, who I think is excellent. Yeah, you know, it, really... it was a really, really good fight, a really sort of level fight. Um, I, I loved it because there was a scramble at the end, and I, I just, I think I literally just yelled at him, you need two points, get a takedown. Yeah, he essentially pulled through a sumagay. She got his two points, and I cheered. And he thought that meant the timer was up, so he got up and <laughs> cheered. And I'm like, "What are you doing? There's still seven seconds left!" Like, oh, it was it was funny. It was really funny looking looking back at it. But at the time, I was had oh, my ass dropped out just in case he got took down again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was really good though. Yeah, that whole tournament was was uh, fantastic to watch. The guy who won it, um, I can't remember his name. He came over from. It was either Serbia or Czech Republic or some, somewhere like that. It was one of them. Um, but he actually, he was really fun to watch fight because he's very explosive, but he used the traditional sumageshi hook from everywhere. Okay. So there was people shutting him down in his guard. He'd turn onto his side, flick his foot through and just whaz him straight over with like a, like a grounded sumageshi, pretty, pretty much like Ben would do. But he's just chucking him with it, and I'm like, I would have really have liked to have seen him and Will fight. I thought, I think that was potentially would have been the most exciting fight. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because they were, they were both the sort, you know, very controlling, very aggressive fighters that, given the right circumstances, would both throw caution to the wind. That would be pretty cool to watch. Yeah. But yeah, I think it. I don't know if the videos are still on Facebook, but it would definitely be worth if going through finding the guy who won the won it overall, 
and watching a couple of his fights through it because, yeah, just his little Sumigeshi sort of flick was... I do I, love a Sumigeshi. I, yeah, I love yeah. how he just catches people off guard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a uh, a judo system that I use um, based on jiu-jitsu, really, um, based on, on, on gripping for jiu-jitsu and, and I'm doing hand signs, but... This is going to be audio only, too. It's right. <laughs> your, your, your audience can't see. I, I um, can see them. Yeah. Um, but I just I, thought you were rubbing um, it in that you've got, got two one. of them. <laughs> well, you've got two-ish. So, sort of. Yeah. Um, well, to make up for it, I've only got like half an eye on each side. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I've, got, I've got the strategy for judo that I use because um, I can't compete with the young athletic like judo players that have been doing it since they were five uh uh under like a i guess a traditional judo strategy so i have a, a gripping strategy that i use and then the throws that i do are like are, are rolling sweeping throws like a sumigeshi or a tomonagi mm. uh, but i'm not one of these guys that wants to just use tomonagi to pull guard because i think that's lame um like I, I've got a good Tomonagi that I use in competition. I've got a good Sumigeshi that I use. I use a good Yoko Wakari, but they're all like kind of rolling throws, getting underneath your opponent and using my jiu-jitsu skills and my wrestling skills to grip and to, and, and to rock and to effectively sweep them rather than try and do a turning throw like a, like a Sienagi or a Tayatoshi or something like that. Yeah. I think, uh, I think every guard pull, even in jiu-jitsu should at least be an attempted Tomonagi. Uh, yeah, Tom and Aggie, sorry. I think it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if you're just literally grabbing and sitting on your ass, I don't know. You no, it's not my thing. Every every guard pull should be an attempted instant attack or sweep attempt. Yeah, if you're just sitting down, that just tells me that you're afraid to fight. Yeah, that's what it, that's, you know. Like if, if you're if you're pulling to attack me, you know, then you've got a game. And, and I need to be aware of it. But if you're just sitting on your ass and then waiting to see what happens next, you're, you're scared to fight. Which, I mean, at least, at least you're out there fighting. I get that. You know, I don't want to criticize anyone, but my, my confidence goes up if someone just sits and then tries to be reactive. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I understand exactly what you mean with it. I think it's very... I think it's fascinating. It's, I will often... Very rarely will I pull guard in competition, but in training, I will often just sit on my ass because I don't want to... I don't want to risk the injury more than anything. Yeah. Um, like like I've said before, I'm very choosy over who I pick and choose to do stand-up with. Um, but my neck's bad, my knees are bad, and I've got one arm, so... I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll... I mean, like, I, I play guard all the time in the, in the gym. It's all I do. Um, I very rarely force people to have to stand up with me. Um, we, we do drill... Um, stand up and, and, and we practice it against the guys that want to compete and want to and want to wrestle we, we, we do it but when I'm rolling rolling in jiu-jitsu I'll almost always start on my back mm. um, because I know I can take a lot of guys down I know I've got, I'm strong on top I don't need to just smash up the guys in the gym or you know maybe I can't smash them up but I don't need to fight to my strengths all the time yeah you know I mean well that's that's actually how I sort of stumbled upon doing all the guard retention stuff because I was actually very much a top player I, I preferred being on top I, even now I much prefer being on top to being on my back um, but because I disliked being on my back and I knew I wasn't as comfortable as I wanted to be there I forced myself to do it and I just used to put myself there all the time um, to the point where I'd almost demoralize myself sometimes because I knew these people were going to come in and pass my guard but I just kept doing it yes. and doing it and doing it and in all honesty, now I look back and think, actually, I'm quite thankful I was that stubborn with myself because I developed that system that, you know, I now fly around teaching people and it works yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does. I mean, like like um, I had you in at my, at my place for a seminar and the guys loved it. Yeah, really, really cool, cool stuff, that, that guard retention. And that's it. I think it's, and I think the best thing to do in jiu-jitsu is purely... Get good at whatever you want to do. Get good, you know, if you want to be an arm locker and your body's leaning towards that, then do that. And then once you're competent at that, 
put yourself in every other position that you're not comfortable in and try and work out a way that you can use that position to get to where you want to be. Yeah. And so I think you can you can be very single-minded with whatever you... If you're a strangler from the back, strangler from the front, whatever, you can be very single-minded with whatever you want to finish with. You just need to then develop your whole game around getting you to that. Yeah. So um, for me, being on top is where I want to be. Um, if, I, if I'm underneath... I'll I'll try I'll I'll try and, and fight for submissions and if I can break your posture great but most time I'm going to use it to wrestle back up and stick it on your back yeah and that's I don't know I think that's there's nothing wrong with that I think that's just everybody has a style and if we all did the same thing it'd be freaking boring yeah and that's been really interesting for me when I came across from MMA to jiu-jitsu um, my grappling was pretty competent. You know, I'd grappled for, for a long time, but the guard passing was one thing that I was, I was weak at because in MMA, you don't have to have strong guard passing. Well, no, um, you, throw, could, you threaten a punch in the face and hope that their up kick misses and <laughs> jump past it. Yeah. And um, also, in my opinion, at least, in, in, in MMA, their jiu-jitsu and their striking as well is suboptimal the they're not the, the grappling isn't that strong like like the jiu-jitsu at least isn't that strong in mma and neither is the striking of course you get outliers but um generally you can get you can do quite well in mma with very mediocre jiu-jitsu and mediocre striking mm. um that's not to criticize anyone i mean it's it's the nature of the sport it's got so many aspects to it you need to have anaerobic endurance, aerobic endurance, you need to be physically strong, you need to be explosive, you need to have boxing, Thai boxing, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, all this sort of, you need, to, you need to do fence work. You've got to have all these different skills. So you can't really specialize in, well, you, you can't specialize in every area. And a lot, you know, so it's, it's the, the jiu-jitsu is very average, the striking is very average, like, unless they, they, they come from that background. Um, so where I'm going with that is that I didn't necessarily have to have guard passing or great guard passing in MMA because if I'm on top of you and I'm punching you in the face and your guard's kind of a shitty guard because, you know, you're not going to get people with... Well, it's very rare to have someone in, in MMA with exceptional guard retention, especially while they're getting punched in the mouth. Mm. Right? So the guard passing was a weaker area of my game, um, a really weak area of my game, and that got, that got exposed through competition. I could take people down. Um, if I, if, if I'm inside control or mount, I can submit you. Well, I take, I can take the back. If I'm underneath, I can use a guard. I can sweep, I can submit, I can escape positions because I had to, I had to do all that through MMA. But when I came to jujitsu, um, my, my guard passing was my weaker area. So moving back to your point where you're saying that everyone's different and it'd be boring if they, if they were all the same. I went on this kind of mission to find the best way to pass the guard. And I thought it would be like a simple answer. Like, how do, how do you escape mount? There's lots of ways to escape mount, but generally the better way is going to be frame and regard. Yeah. Right. I mean, or maybe an upa. Cool. If you're good at it, absolutely. You know, um, but most people are going to escape mount the same way because it's effective. You know, um, most people are going to apply like a certain submission in, a, in the same way because it's effective. Most people are going to triangle, and there, there'll, be, there'll be differences, but you're going to triangle really in a similar way to everyone else. You're going to use an angle a bit differently or everything else, but you're going to do it in the same sort of way. But guard passing is so vastly different. You know, like some people are pressure passers, some people are movement passers, some people are submission passers, some people try and pass on the takedown, you know, and even within all those realms, you know, you've got knee cutters, uh, a lot of people like, you know, Andrew Wiltsy are doing that. You've got um, double underpasses, you know, uh, like Murillo uh, Santana. You've got um, under over King in um, uh, Bernardo Faria, but, but completely different strategies. Mm. So, but it works. They all work. You know, all these different strategies that are completely different. An under over pass is completely different to a knee cut, which is completely different to a Toriando. Yeah, you know, like Leandro Lowe, you know, throwing legs to the side. They're all completely different, completely different ways. You're going round, you're going through, you're going up, all under. There's all different ways of passing a guard. 
um, but they all work. So I guess that's just touching on that point that people can have vastly different games, but they can all, all be effective, which I do find really interesting. Like if you watch someone doing um, boxing, you can have guys that have a different style, I suppose, you know, but generally they all look pretty similar. Mm. Guys are coming out and they're, they're using a jab and then and they're getting an angle and then they're trying to put a right hand on. And if they've got a good left hook, maybe they're known for that. But boxing, look, boxing looks like boxing, but jiu-jitsu can look all over the place yeah. and still be effective. Yeah, and it can it can be completely different. I mean, I'd looked at in working the guard retention stuff. I'd looked at many, many, many different styles of passing and how to bring my four rules into that to be able to retain your guard. Um, and the one I'm I've struggled with the most is actually Tynan Dalpra's style of passing. Um, that I'm still working on because I think it's such an effective way of passing, but I'm not so sure it always will be. I think people will suss it out and be able to capitalize on it eventually. Um, I'm just still working on it. So what, what what's his, his um, strategy of passing? He, he uses his pant grips very well. Um, and, based on what I've sort of watched of him is he essentially anticipates that the person that he's fighting doesn't want them to pass his guard. So he uses pant, pant grips and leg drags, works to pull the legs across and, you know, he might sort of step into knee cuts and stuff, but he's very movement based. Um, but one thing that I've watched him do multiple times and I thought, Oh, I might be able to try and replicate that, but he's, he's a lot younger, a lot fitter and a lot quicker than me. He'll drag the leg across, go to the side that you expect, but he's used to IBJJF point systems where whoever it is he's fighting isn't going to accept the pass and give him three points. So they turtle, and then he hops around to the other side, keeps the same pant grip, pushes it down, and if they turn into him to regard, well, they turn into him to regard. But he's anticipating that, and as they're turning into him to regard, he hops over and goes back to the other side. So it's very sort of movement-based. Um, who, do, who does he train with? That, that sounds very Mendes Brothers. It style. is very. It is. I think he's. I think he is AOJ. To be fair. Um, okay. Don't quote me on it, but it. Yeah, it's that style of passing, but he does it very, very efficiently, um, and he is sort of fascinating to watch because it looks like he puts so much movement into things, but he's moving around the grip that he's got of the trousers. Yes. Um, and it's. He's essentially looked at what he does, or maybe uh, Haffer and Gee have looked at it, you know, I don't know. But he, he looks at what he does, gets what he likes, and then works on every possible reaction to that. Right. I, I would say he's drilled it and specifically sparred it to within an inch of his life, but it is very, very effective. He's just, he's just won worlds again with it. I'm just making a note because I'm going to watch some of that tape. Yeah, <laughs> so I've, I haven't watched as much as I would like to. Uh, that's just life getting in the way in general. Um, but th that is one of the things I intend to to go and study because it's pant grip passes are not my thing for very, very obvious reasons. Um, so what I've actually done is I've, I've gone to Adam that trains with me. I said, you know, this is very grippy will you go and have a look at it for me and let me know what you think and you can come back and once you're happy with it and you've practiced it and drilled it and, and you understand it, you can teach it for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's he, a, a couple of other... He's pretty decent, Adam, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Very, very, very knowledgeable. Loves to just explore new things. Um, loves to play in, in guard. Um, we've just been working... A, when I say we've just been working, I don't mean in my classes, just literally me and Adam mucking about in the open mats. We've been working a, a really weird grip that he saw, I think it's John Thomas do. Okay. Where essentially the pass, so you take a, a same side collar, uh, sleeve grip, pass it underneath your inside thigh to the outside and grip it with your other hand. So almost like a forced arm drag that's gone in between your legs, but then you keep it there. Um, I think I've seen that as well. I think I've, I've seen that video because he, he gets uh, John Thomas gets his brother doing it. I think as well. Now maybe 
I haven't watched it. I've I've done a little bit with Adam and just sort of said, well, yeah, I, I quite like the idea of it. And then I spent half of an open mat just seeing if I could get to that position without swapping my grips around. I worked out it was quite difficult for me. But it's something that actually could have quite a lot of merit when done correctly and when done efficiently. Um, I think if I... And just 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 coincidence. I, I think I've seen a, a video of him doing it, and I think he has a setup where he does it with one arm. I'll have to go and have um, a look. Or he, uh, like I said, I've I've left Adam to it and said, look, that's really grippy. At the minute, at the minute, imagine we're doing some leg lasso stuff now. I developed how I like to work leg lasso, all based off a single grip. So I get the grip, pull it out, whack my leg in, and then I'm like, right, I'm comfortable from here. I've got. 40 different things I like to do. Let's see which one of them comes up first. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoy playing legless. I actually forgot how much I enjoy playing it because I was focusing on other stuff. Um, but yeah, it's nice sort of looking back over that. But again, when I'm teaching it, I'll often get Will or Adam or you know somebody else to demonstrate the two-armed version of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... What is your guard pass, passing strategy? Because you said before that you're you're you were a top player and you like being on top. Just heavy, heavy pressure passing. So what I like to do, um, especially at the minute, is I like to force half guard, um, flatten the hips out. Ideally, then put my hips directly over your, your stomach and just drive in with my hips so there's very little weight through my feet and through my hands it's all through my hips through your center line yeah but, but you're completely flat on your back if not slightly turned to the opposite side so that what you would have as your underhooking arm would now be your bottom arm so it isn't going to be an effective underhook yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i like to get to that driving with my hips upwards with my chest pull with my arms on the floor to increase the pressure that's going in. Um, I, basically, I look like a seal when I'm doing it. Yeah. So I'm driving yeah. through that much that I look like a seal to the point where a lot of my guys go, oh, every time I do it. Um, <laughs> but then I'll get to that and wait for you to want to relieve the pressure from my hips by pushing up on me. And as soon as you push up on me, I look for the head and underhook control and then I just pass from heavy half guard but essentially I'm a very heavy passer I like to be further forward than you think you should be make my legs as light right. as I can and just drive as much pressure in as I can right 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 yeah yeah that, that's my preferred style of passing um, I'll knee cut if I have to but I tend to find that involves more scrambles i'd rather just drive a load of weight in so that when i pass it's a secure pass not a pass that i then have to secure with something else yes but yeah that's that's my style keep you as flat on your back for as long as i can yeah i mean my style of passing is very similar because as i said you know um putting top pressure on someone and keeping them down is what i would do anyway mm. I, I took that I took that really well. Um I do movement pass all right, um, but it was something that I had to learn specifically for jiu-jitsu, which made it not um as natural for me. Yeah, I mean I have got for the for what I call the knobhead pass, which is like the typical white belt pass where you just throw the legs to the side and dive past. Um <laughs> knobhead pass. Knobhead pass, yeah. <laughs> But I have got I have got my uh, my Tom Hardy defense for that 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 I quite like that just is essentially you roll back. Um, I'm sure I told you why it was the Tom Hardy defense when I came down to you, but if I didn't, I'll tell I can't you. Remember. Oh, I can't remember. I'll I'll, t I'll show you when you come up for Gordo's. Oh, lovely! I'll I'm going to learn the hard way, am I? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not, nothing difficult about it. It's uh, it's basically. As your legs get thrown, I used to call it the seesaw defence. So as your legs get thrown, you put your arm directly underneath your thigh and that assists with the lift of your hips. Then okay. as your hips lift, you plant your toes and transfer your weight into your shoulder. And then as you do that, you roll out 
like a 90 degree angle. So you roll out with your hips exactly where they're trying to get to. And depending, okay. on, depending on how hard they're throwing themselves at you, usually I tend to get like an omoplata or a triangle attack from it. So why do you call it the Tom Hardy? Aha, now you see that is the that is the key question. Because I showed it to Caroline. I called, oh, oh this is the seesaw defense. And I said, you know, you do this, you arm under, seesaw, hips lift, transfer your weight into your shoulder, and then it's just a forward roll out of it. I said, but when you forward roll out of it, your legs have to be wide, otherwise they might still pass your guard. And then I did it again, drilled yeah. it with my legs as wide as I could get them. And she went, ah, legs have to be wide. So like I'd be if Tom Hardy walked in the room. I went, <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? I have to, uh, I have to, I have to give her credit because there's no way in hell I will ever forget that now. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure uh, eventually. I mean, jujitsu is a very small circle, so I'm sure eventually I'll come across Tom Hardy and I'll be able to tell him that thanks to my wife's crush, I can I've named a technique after him. <laughs> so yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not quite sure how we'll tech that. I don't know the guy. Yeah, well, I mean. I'm sure. I'm sure he'll be flattered. <laughs> Nothing else. You you've just kind of got to laugh at it, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I named this technique after you. Why? Can we not go into why? Can we not just accept that I've named it after you? <laughs> <laughs> when you say Delahiva is not something that you do much of, didn't you say earlier that you do leg lasso? Is that not the same thing? No, is Delahiva not the outside hook on the leg? Leg lasso is wrapping the arm up with the leg. Right, so that's sorry, that's general lasso. That's a normal lasso. A leg lasso is a delaheva. Oh, I've not a clue. I just use my leg like a whip and wrap it around the arm. Yeah, you've done it to me. Um <laughs> and and you flip me with your with with, with your lasso, yeah. But I, I think I mean just terminology wise, leg lasso is the delaheva. Not a... and lasso. I, I, I know that's what people call it. I know there was a time we weren't allowed to call it delaheva. I don't know why that was though. Um, I did say to Delahiva once, I was, um, I was at a seminar of his and just to be a dick, rather, he was showing a Delahiva technique and rather than call it Delahiva, I called it a leg lasso. That's <laughs> 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 the sort of dick I am. Yeah, and, but he was cool. He didn't, he didn't even flinch. He goes, yeah, and he answered my question. Yeah, I think so. there's, there's, there's a thousand different names for a thousand different things and I just kind of go, well, that's a sweep. And yeah, I've called that yeah, no, I've absolutely. Called the, I've called the lasso a leg lasso for as long not, as I yeah. can remember. I think it was just the way I was taught it. Yeah, and look, I'm not trying to call anyone out anything. I'm not trying to tell you. You can call it whatever you like, of course. Uh, well, the only reason I mention it is for the, I guess, for the clarity of the podcast. Yeah. You know, when you're, you, that, that's, that's all, just, just to make sure that we, we all understand what we're talking about. Yeah, it's hard when you start using jujitsu terms because you've got all the 10th Planet guys that just call stuff rabbit on a chair or whatever i don't know <laughs> all that weird shit they make up i yeah. mean wizard wizard sleeve double bagging like come on i mean i do i, I do like you know the, the the systems you know i use rubber guard myself a lot but come on you know don't be such a dick with the names yeah <laughs> dragon um, saliva yeah. or something i don't freaking i don't even pay attention to it anymore what's this yeah. sweep there you go <laughs> the, the other thing I was going to I was going to say because I said there was a couple of things I wanted to mention on that statement was um, I'm really gutted that I missed Theon teaching guard passing then because as I said earlier it's something that, I, that mm. I'm always trying to I'm always trying to get everyone's take on a guard pass when I when I train a black belt right so how do you pass guard I'm not interested in sweeping and stuff because you know I, I understand everyone's got their own game some people play lasso some people play this that, that and the other and everything else fine um, but I'm interested in how black belts pass guard most of them, most of the answers I get are similar to what you said, which is they force half guard. That's what most of them say to me. Right, Fionn was because uh, that she came up and she sort of she pretty much rolled with everybody that was there. She did, she really put a lot of effort into trying to roll with as many people as she can. Um, I rolled with her right sort of towards the end of the Sunday, and one thing that surprised me was the way she would engage and disengage with your guard. So she'd engage and you sort of work, try and work your grips. And then all of a sudden she just wasn't there. She'd step backwards okay. and then step back in. So, um, I mean, she might tell me I'm completely wrong. 
but I would look at her guard being in in a way that she wouldn't fully engage and fully commit unless she was a hundred percent happy with the grips that she had first. Right. That was the sort of take I got from it. She was very willing to disengage when it wasn't on her terms. And that sort of leaves you on your back chasing her as she then re-engages and re-engages into a more dominant position. Okay. Uh, it was... So she, she'll completely back out and then come back in? Not even completely back out. Just back out enough so that you're no longer in control underneath. Right. Yeah, got you, got you, got you. Um, but yeah, it was... I, it was one of them where, in hindsight, I would have loved to have rolled with a right at the beginning so I understood exactly, well, everything that she was doing from, and I could relate it back to how she felt doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's true for a lot of, of um, jiu-jitsu players. Mm. Like, and, and, and I like that. I like that... Um, being up and thinking to myself, right? How can how can I deal with this grip, or how can I go? How can I make that? Mo- that? And there's a small adjustment. It's not just like like let's say talking about guard passing because that's all I talk about. Um, but it's not about just like what how how you know how do I pass this guard? It's like I'll be up at night thinking how can I link going from knee shield to pinning the knees together? Not the complete pass necessarily. Maybe there's a part of it, you know, or if I'm using guard. Not how can I sweep the guy, but how can I control that arm to then start breaking his posture to then start doing this? And and it's it's the micro bits in between. Yeah. That that I really try and try and get and and figure out because once you get those, well, once you figure out the ten individual parts, you've then got a process to systematically get from point A to point B. Yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah I, that pretty much sums up my thought process on it is I'll sit and, and just obsess over very small details. Um, and say I did it with when I was working on all the guard retention stuff. Um, I've done it this past year whilst I've been teaching all the guard retention stuff. Obviously, that's still been on my mind and I've every time I've taught it, it's become better and better. Um, but my personal effort has gone into the pressure stuff that I'm on, that I'm doing when I'm on top. So once I'm past the guard, where I'm going to, I briefly showed it to Tammy when I was at yours. Um, but I've been sort of obsessing over that as a position and utilising that in the most efficient way possible so that it's horrendous for the person underneath, but I'm barely breaking a sweat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think uh, I, I do believe that that's what keeps me... And that's what keeps me interested in studying with other people as well and doing more of the camps is... Chances are everybody that's teaching a camp has that same sort of obsessive personality. I think you have to to get to any high level in jiu-jitsu, whether you're an instructor or a competitor, you've got to be an obsessive little weirdo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I think it really helps to to be in love with your craft if you're going to yeah, I suppose that works better than being an obsessive little weirdo, but it's essentially the same thing. <laughs> being passionate. Passionate, yeah. Yeah. That goes with how it is. Right, I'm going to finish there because I haven't got to prep myself for the school run and go pick up Brilliant. my little boy. Uh, thank you very yeah, much. Cheers. Lovely to speak to you again, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Cheers, Bye. Lee.